How can you not be romantic about baseball? Bringing a high drive to left. This baby's way back. It is out of here. I don't believe what I just saw. Coswell slashes one foul. Oh, that hit a bird, and it bounces back into fair territory. Oh, I got I to gotta check the rule book on this one, folks. I'm too drunk to taste this chicken. Our ass is in the jackpot now. You're listening to Booze and Baseball. There's 50 feet of crap, and then there's us. A baseball first podcast, sort of, featuring Derek Johnson. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. And Dusty Baker. I heard that. Dynamite drop-in money. That broadcast school has really paid off. So sit back and enjoy the talk around the diamonds with a cold one in hand. Today's secret ingredient is beer! I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch is got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. Hello, welcome in to another edition of Booze and Baseball, episode number 35. I actually know players who wear number 35. I Brandon Crawford <laughs> on the Giants, Justin Verlander. Uh, so we got a couple right there. We actually know some jersey names. But Dusty Baker, I'm Derek Johnson. Our throwback baseball stat of the week real quick. September 17th, 1922, the Chicago Cubs defeated the Brooklyn Robins 6-2 behind a 3-for-5 game from Ray Grimes. He had everything in the cycle minus the single, so double, triple home run. And the pitcher, the winner for the Chicago Cubs, his name was Tiny Osborne. He was six foot four, but went by Tiny. That's always great when you have a small guy who goes by like Biggie or something. You have a big guy who goes by Tiny. So, Dusty, what are you drinking tonight and thoughts on that stat? Yeah. Also, I just like the fact you use the Brooklyn Robins, uh, one of the more random unknown names for the, uh, the club that we now know as the Dodgers, too. Um, but yeah, uh, that stat is uh, number one. Also love the name for tiny Osborne, uh, good old six foot four man, but yeah, uh, three, five game, um, pretty much, uh, <laughs> when you have a full cycle and you just miss the single, it's almost like you feel like you hit the cycle. Uh, I think we've seen a lot of that recently, but, um, you know, it's tough to get the cycle, man. It's one of the harder things to get, uh, as for what I'm drinking. Uh, so I've. I've spent my day drinking today. Uh, I went to a, a winery, Opala Winery, and so you can make the argument that technically I'm drinking every one of their wines times like five. Uh, but uh, when I got home, I was just uh, looking for whatever I had left in the fridge because I. Oh, well, here we go. Yeah, so we got ourselves a Corona. So it's nothing <laughs> seltzer. I I know that Derek was waiting for the uh, the newest. Uh, Blueberry Fawns seltzer or whatever in the world I might have. But no, I got a uh, Corona here to match up with uh, the Mountain Zindafel that I had. And, uh, you know, honestly, Opolo, great selection out there in Paso Robles. Uh, probably some of the best wineries you'll have in Central California. So, uh, Derek, what are you drinking? Well, nothing washes down a fine wine like a Corona beer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going a little off the wall here. So, uh, First of all, to peel the curtain back of my heart, um, the San Francisco Giants have lost a couple straight to the Padres. The lead to the Dodgers has dropped from two and a half to just one with a couple weeks to go here. So that is nerve wracking for me. And we're also in our fantasy baseball playoffs right now. It's on to the semifinal round and I'm playing a team who is on fire at the moment and is just absolutely killing it. My team is not playing well. 
So I am an emotional wreck right now. So I wanted to get crazy with what I'm drinking here. Um, first of all, I have this little shooter of alcohol. It is Texas moonshine. Ooh, wow. <laughs> it is a jalapeno pepper moonshine. So we're going to start with that. Oh my God. It smells like straight up jalapenos. Yeah. I wouldn't even smell it. I, that, that is like Ooh. death in a, in a little tiny bottle. So I pour that in my cup and then I, I was like, what the heck am I going to mix this with? Well, the only thing we have in the fridge, I got a little pib extra here. <laughs> so we're going to the pib extra and Texas moonshine. And will it be terrible? Probably, but maybe the oh. uh, kind of spice of the pib will match the spice of the jalapeno. But guess what? It might suck. It might be awful to stomach and, and chug down, but I don't care. I am a mess right now. I can't sleep. I, I just want to win. And I, my team is not performing well. And I, I need something that is just going to maybe kickstart this and, and make things a little crazy here. That's not going to make you feel any better. <laughs> There's no way. That is going to be like the hottest drink in the world right there. Uh, oh, Derek just like leached back. Uh, we're on camera. We do this on Zoom. And Derek's re initial reaction right there looked like, I mean, an immediate puke. Uh, <laughs> am I right? Did I read that I mean, correctly? Everything you would imagine. Like, if you basically took a jar of jalapeno juice, I guess, and poured it into a Mr. Pib or a Dr. Pepper, imagine what that would taste like. Basically, a Dr. Pepper with the taste of a jalapeno. That is, and spice at the back of my throat. That is what I'm tasting right now. It is horrible. But fortunately, it's not as horrible as my fantasy team is doing or the Giants have done the last two days. Oh, my gosh. Good that enough. just hurt me to watch that. That was like that was pain in a cup. I will finish this and hopefully my fantasy team values it and they they understand what I sacrificed for them by drinking this and, and they're willing to sacrifice for me. I'm sure that's how it works. Is that worse or better than having Knob Creek? Because our fantasy league punishment is that they have to drink an entire handle of Knob Creek on our uh, fantasy trip, which is worse. That's what I would rather drink Knob Creek than drink this. Wow, that, that is really saying something. Oh, oh, my God. I'm like in more pain, I think, than you are just by watching you. I like really don't want to go back for more. But anyway, we'll, we'll uh, I'll deal with this throughout the course of the show. Uh, first up, I, I mentioned the Giants have lost the last couple and the Dodgers now within a game. Dusty, you wrote a really good piece on JustBaseball.com that got posted today that you should go check out talking about how crazy of a series and uh, just a season this has been between these two teams fighting. I, I feel like the most reasonable way for this to end is both teams end up tied in the standings and then they have to play like game 163 to decide the division. Yeah, I mean, it, when you look at these two squads, they are like unbelievably neck and neck. It is insane. I, it's hard to talk when I'm watching Derek drink whatever in the world is in his cup. But uh, I will tell you that that drink that Derek is drinking, that's basically the feeling I think mutually between the Dodgers and Giants right now when they look at the standings. It's painful. It's a gauntlet. They know it's going to be a grind to get through it. And down the stretch, I mean, this is going to get crazy. Um Leading up to the day before the Giants lost to the Padres, uh, and, and even these stats don't truly matter uh, outside, but uh, the Dodgers have outscored the Giants 80 to 78, but the Giants lead the season series 10 to 9. I mean, you can really not get 
any closer than that. Uh, the two best ERAs in baseball, uh, pitching wise, Dodgers have the better ERA, but the Giants have the better offense right now overall. So um, it's really going to come down to who plays their best baseball uh, against the good teams. And by that, I mean the Giants have a pretty big series coming up against the Atlanta Braves. The Dodgers will have to face the Cincinnati Reds, who are looking to try and get into the playoffs. The Giants have two more series with the Padres. Um, it's it's going to really get crazy here because not only are our eyes going to be on those two teams, but there are teams they're facing down the stretch that are also trying to get into the playoffs uh, to snag that second wildcard slot. So it, it's going to be a grind. Um, the other thing to keep in mind here is that the Brewers are still playing incredible baseball. And so uh, with that article that I wrote for Just Baseball, it doesn't just talk about the fact that the Dodgers and Giants will probably play each other in the NLDS. There is a slight chance, and I, I would not give it a great chance, but there's a slight chance these two teams could meet in the NLCS. And why that would happen would be if the Dodgers and Giants both do not you know, pick it up here. I mean, they've both been playing incredible baseball. But if they falter and the Brewers do not, uh, the Brewers are not that far back behind either squad here uh, in terms of shooting for the best record in all baseball. Imagine if the Brewers capture that, then all of a sudden uh, the wild card team, whoever wins will have to face the Brewers. Meaning have to face Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff and Freddie Peralta. That is a death wish. If you ask me, I'd rather face the Brewers in a seven game series than a five game series. I think that uh, you can outlast the Brewers with offense in a seven game, but a five game, I think the Brewers are the best team set up uh, for the five-game, you know, NLDS. So good luck to either of these squads if they decide to, to cough it up here. But yeah, Derek, it is kind of unbelievable. It just so happens both of us are rooting for one of the uh, one of those two teams. But I mean, you have to take a step back and just realize that this is the best that I think in our lifetime, at least, we've ever seen this rivalry. Um, there's been quite a few good years where the teams have been good, but they've never been this good. And at the same time, this is this is absolutely unbelievable uh what we're witnessing in 2021 isn't it crazy that the last time that the dodgers and uh the giants met in the postseason like you would think this would happen more often but the last time they met in the postseason i believe was like in the 1950s 1960s it wasn't even a really a, long time yeah it wasn't even a true postseason game is what's crazy about that too it was like a play-in game i believe it's for the it, pennant, it right yeah 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 it wasn't designated it, it wasn't considered a postseason game it, it, in the modern era the dodgers and giants have never played in the postseason but derek's right it, they they played i believe it's twice uh, i want to say it was like 1960 uh was one of the two times uh more, most recent one where they played in some kind of playing game or uh, kind of one that advanced the, their whole way to the World Series based off this playing game. Um, but they've never truly met in a playoff series. And that is insane that we are on this trajectory where it seems almost, I would say, more than 90% likely that these teams face each other. Obviously, craziness can happen. Um, and with a one-game wild card, I mean, one of these teams inevitably is going to play in that game. So... Whoever that is, is going to have to probably face either Adam Wainwright, who has been unbelievable down the stretch. Uh, they may have to face Blake Snell, who has all of a sudden decided to be back to Cy Young Blake Snell in some way, shape, shapes and forms sometimes. Uh, we still don't know what we're going to get from him, but you know that you don't really want to face him when he's on his game. You might have to face Luis Castillo uh, for the Cincinnati Reds. That's never fun because Castillo can be dominant. 
um, when he's at his best. Uh, and then, of course, with the Philadelphia Phillies, the one that I probably actually want to face the least uh, would be Zach Wheeler. So, yeah, it, this is a huge, huge situation for both these teams because one has a secured uh, NLDS spot and probably against the Braves, most likely. Uh, and the other one is, or, well, probably against a wild card slot, but we'll, we'll see what happens uh, based off the Brewers and whatnot. Um, yeah, as of right now, it aligns the winner of this will probably play each other in the NLDS. All right, let's get on to a fantasy baseball segment here. We're going to call this Connect Four, which can be a drinking game. I mean, a lot of, you know, more like newer bars, you might have like outdoor games like Giant Jenga or Giant Connect Four, and you can play that while you're enjoying a beer. So we have four teams that missed the playoffs in our leagues. We, league, we have a 10-team league, and we do six teams in the playoff. And the other four didn't make it. So we have four teams that didn't make it. And we're going to go through four different categories of their team. Top prospect, best keeper, underrated potential keeper, and debatable keeper. And the exercise here is, you know, maybe it'll give you congruencies between if you have any decisions or maybe it's just a way for us to kind of talk about certain players we like or don't like here. Um, so I'll let you get this started. You came up with this cool idea here. So whose team do you want to take a look at? And, and did I miss anything there? No. Yeah. You, you hit the nail on the head and uh, let's just start with our, uh, our last place and, you know, kind of work our way up. So in our league, uh, we're going to put some of these guys on blast. Uh, they can put me on blast later because my team got eliminated in the first round of the playoffs. And of course, Naturally, this week when it doesn't matter, my team is hitting on board as well. So that's just how fantasy baseball has decided to treat me this year. But uh, for the time being, how about we punish those that didn't even have a chance to get in the playoffs? We start with Tegrity. Uh, that is the name of good old Matt Diaz in our league. And so Matt had the worst team in our league. Uh, he decided not to go on much of our season until <laughs> at the trade deadline, he decided to be a buyer. So try and figure that one out, right? Um, when we go through this list, uh, I just kind of want to start by the, the top prospect that I see from his team. Now, Matt acquired a lot of prospects, uh, during his time before the season began. There's a lot to work with here. Um, there's nothing that's particularly glaring as the top of the top for me, except for, I would say really? probably Riley green, Riley green is the one, okay. uh, that I, I really like there. Um, he, uh, he is a, a lot of young guys, um, but Riley Green has the most potential, and I, I like the offensive side. I think I've learned not to trust pitching as much. He is Grayson Rodriguez, who is a, another cop on that team, I guess, for somebody that could take that spot. But I'm just going to go with the, a fantasy perspective here that I think I've kind of learned over this past two years, and that's that young pitchers that are top prospects generally do not pan out when they come into the league. And so just for that strict reason, I like the way that Riley Green projects. Um, and, uh, at the end of the day, I think that he is probably the best piece that he has. That should be an automatic keeper on that team. What about you, Derek? I would agree with you on green. Um, he has other interesting players, but yeah, like you said, Grayson Rodriguez could be really good. I don't love the fact of banking on a pitcher in that park necessarily, but I think he'll be good. I really like Emerson Hancock. Like I actually really like his, uh, prospects. When you look at them, Tristan Casas, Dieter Downs, Nolan Gorman, JJ Bleday. Those are all guys that I think could have really solid careers. And that doesn't even count the guys that are currently in the majors. Like Jaron Duran started hot, then he cooled off, and, and who knows what to think of him, but I still like his future. Kybert Ruiz is uh, not lighting it up right now, but another guy who should have a bright future. So I like some of his young players 
But yeah, I, I would agree with you. I'd go with Riley Green, but just to be different, I'll just say Grayson Rodriguez because he could end up being the best pitching prospect right now. I know before the season, it was supposed to be Mackenzie Gore. That hasn't panned out at all. And I'm sure that's been a big you know issue for the Padres. I'm, I'm sure they came into this year thinking, yeah, we have a bunch of starting pitching depth. And, and they did, at least we thought they did. And then guys got injured. And then guys like Mackenzie Gore ended up not being ready to go this year when you thought, okay, well, maybe he'll come up in, in the middle of the summer. But uh, yeah, Grayson Rodriguez, uh, away from that aside, is probably going to be pretty good. So. And Just Baseball uh, came out actually the day of recording with uh, their projected top 100 prospects as we go into the offseason. And it, it's definitely a list to check out. There's a lot of time and effort put into that uh, by both Aram and Dustin. And uh, really should check it out. It's a great list. And on this list, Riley Green ranked fifth, Grayson sixth. So uh, take your, you know, pick your poison, which one you think is uh, more projectable. And, and so in that sense, yeah, I really like that. At least Matt has that base. Now, here's the problem with Matt. Matt doesn't understand identity. Um, and so during the trade deadline, he decided to pull off a trade that, in essence, was acquiring Aaron Judge for the number two prospect, which was Adley Rushman. So when we talk about best keeper, it's kind of ironic because his best keeper is Aaron Judge. Uh, Maybe. Almost, it might be. It might be. He's got some good pieces, and I feel like Derek's onto something here. But I'm going to go with the on the surface, the name. Uh, you know, there's some players, and I feel like this was the story of my fantasy team this year. There are some players that the name is better than the production. Um, I had Nolan Arenado, who honestly, he, he hit the home runs and had the RBIs that would make you uh, want him on your fantasy team. But overall, the peripherals were not exactly what I was hoping for. Aaron Judge has had a pretty good year, though. Um, and so... In that sense, if he could stay healthy moving forward, I, I really like that piece. There's a couple other pieces on his team, though, that that I, I do believe have some serious keeper potential moving forward. Uh, Derek, take it away because I'm going to stick with the judge. Okay, so I was actually just kind of teasing just to be fun. I mean, you could actually argue that Jack Flaherty is his best keeper if you want. He's, I don't know, a handful of years younger, I think three or four years younger there. So if you want to argue that and – you know, you're all about pitching. I, I would get that. But as you mentioned, I would still value the hitter more. And I actually am not that high on Jack Flaherty when you look at some of his peripherals. So I will go Aaron Judge, but I'm open to hearing an argument for Jack Flaherty there. I was thinking maybe you one of the uh, the names to throw out there. Just So on Matt's team, I'm curious about how Dansby Swanson does another year from now. He's kind of fallen off a little bit recently, but uh, he was putting up potential MVP numbers at one point this season. So you know that there can be production there, and he's still relatively young. So I, I like him as a potential keeper. Uh, moving on to the underrated potential keeper, though, on this team. Um, out of all the guys that he has, one that I just really believe is going to have a heck of a season overall next year is going to be Jorge Soler. Um, obviously, he had a really crummy start to this season. Uh, but to see how he's come back in the second half and with Atlanta, I, I he's still young, um, has ridiculous power, and the dude just seems like he doesn't stop hitting home runs. He's been a little bit lesser on that power side over the last week or so, but, I mean, the guy is strung together, I think, at least 10 consecutive games with hits. And so uh, he's getting on base, he's showing pop, and I think Jorge Soler is back. He's not that far removed from a year where he had over 40 home runs. So... I think uh, in terms of an underrated keeper, that's definitely one for me. Okay, so I, I don't know if this counts as underrated because he's still, you know, been really good this year. But given his role, I'm going to count it. Christian Javier 
he uh, was moved to a bullpen role after the first part of the season, which was kind of odd because he was having such a good start. And it's been kind of weird roles. He'll he'll either be, you know, a guy that maybe uses like a spot starter and he'll just pitch a couple innings or you can use him in relief for a couple innings. You know, he's just kind of that, that bridge guy, kind of like a extended Jonathan Loisega almost. And he has really good numbers. Now, he's not getting you a bunch of saves or holds or anything, but like the ratios are all really good. And there's something to be said about being able to lower your ERA and whip and, and raise your K per nine for a team. And the fact that he has starting pitcher eligibility, a SPARP as uh, that's kind of called in the, the fantasy community, makes you think that he uh, could be a guy who, whether it's as a starting pitcher next year and the role expands again, or at the very least in this same role where he's been effective, I think that could be a nice little back-end keeper that you might be thinking, ah, but he's not getting saves, he's not getting holds, he's a reliever, do I really want him? But he really helps your team. Yeah, I, I like that actually a lot. Uh, Christian Javier, 24 right now. He'll be 25 uh, on on the greatest day of the year actually next year, which is March 26th, which is when I was born as well. So um, legends were born on the 26th of March. Uh, he will be 25, still in the, the prime of his career. And uh, yeah, I, I like that a lot. As for the debatable keeper, uh, I actually spoke with Matt about this one because it, it's that debatable. We I, I honestly don't know what direction you take with this guy. And that would be Adam Frazier. Um, the way that Adam Frazier played in the first half, uh, he was an all-star was hitting incredibly well, was getting on base at a rapid rate. And then it's like, he forgot how to hit up until this past week, all of a sudden this past week, he's starting to kind of figure it out again. So which Adam Frazier are we going to get moving forward? Um, that's a massive question as well. Obviously, we didn't have Adam Frazier production prior to this season. He's 29 years old right now. So he's going to head into his age 30 season uh, starting next year. So he's already, you know, closer to the tail end of his career than in his prime. Um, is, is he a keeper? I, I don't really know. I, I have a hard time trying to assess what this guy, you know, is going to bring um, kind of moving forward past the season because I think he kind of lost his identity when he left the Padre or when he left the pirates for the Padres um, on top of that. So he's going to be heading into arbitration in 2022. He's a free agent in 2023. So you can make the argument. Okay. He's going into his contract year. Um, but some players also struggle with their teams uh, through arbitration. You know, one weird thing about it is you go to court, you have your case and they basically talk all negative about you, right? They try to do everything they can to throw daggers and, and, you know, lessen the the blow of how much they have to pay you. So some players actually do take it personally. Who knows what direction that'll go? Um, I don't know if that's going to play much of a role in this, knowing that he's going to be a free agent the following season. But going to age 30 year, I, I it's hard. It's hard for me to, you know, kind of figure out based off of his direction of this team, which is a relatively young team, is Frazier really going to help him that much? And it, does Frazier have any value past the season? I don't know. Yeah, you could probably make that same argument with a guy like Jeff McNeil, who's been worse than Frazier, but they're kind of similar in what they do. The guy that I'm interested in what happens with is Nate Lowe. Um, he's had a, you know, productive season, but by, by like OPS, it's nothing like crazy. It's a 762 OPS, uh, but he's getting a lot of playing time and that matters. He has seven steals as well. Gotten you 15 home runs, 68 runs driven in. He's not going to tank your average either. And you know, looking at the Rangers roster, like, I don't really see, I mean, he's under team control for next year. I, I don't really see him all of a sudden losing all that playing time as soon as next year for the Rangers, unless 
they make some big splashes in free agency. So he's one that I'm interested in because he's not like the best player in the world, but if he's getting playing time, he's definitely very, you know, very is not the right word, but he's valuable for your team. So uh, that would be the one that I think is kind of debatable. Yeah. I uh, honestly, if you could overall assess Matt's team uh, before we transition to our uh, good old pal, Nico, uh, there there's actually a lot that I think is promising with this team. I, I think that, there are pieces in place that he can work with. Um, he's got a lot of youth. And so it's just a matter of assessing whether he really wants to win it, you know, in two to three years, or if he's going to kind of break that, like he did at the trade deadline uh, by acquiring Aaron judge, when he has nobody to build around him. So it, it's, it's curious. Um, there's still, I think a long way to go with this team, but I, I don't think it's a hopeless team by any means. I actually think that there's some potential. What about you? Yeah, 100%. It just depends on the direction because if you want to wait it out for all those young guys, I think you could end up with a really good team. But like you said, it might be two, three, four years down the road before that happens. If you want to start cashing in with those young guys, feel free. That's kind of the fun and and part of the game with fantasy baseball. So um, it's just picking one path and, and wanting to kind of commit to that. And I think there are options there if you do try to cash in. You're definitely trying to get more major league ready players and uh, more, I don't know, st- not necessarily star. It doesn't have to be like a top 10 player, but more of those top 50 type of players. Because currently that's the biggest thing that this roster is missing. They have a couple of those top like 30, top 40 players, but then they have kind of a big void in the middle of that like 50 to top 100 range. And and that would be something that you could get. Maybe if you could get a lot of depth for some of these young prospects, that would be definitely beneficial. All right, who's the next team? So we have Nico, who finished in ninth place uh, in the regular season. It's the team been absolutely the most critical of throughout the entire year as well, uh, and that never pleased Nico as well. So, Nico, if you want, feel free to skip over the next 10 to 15 minutes of our podcast if you would like. Um, But we're going to talk positively about you first here. Uh, That would be prospects, because Nico's got quite a few very good prospects on this team. Uh, The one that just straight up sticks out to me, and he really does, he has – He's probably three to four legitimate guys that I think moving forward are just going to excel at the next level. But I love Brennan Davis. Uh, I'm a huge fan of him uh, in the outfield. He has raw power. He has speed. People are projecting him to be like uh, the next Matt Kemp. Um, And so anytime a Dodger fan hears that, uh, all you could do is just dream of what potential there is there. He already was moved up to AAA. Um, He's excelling at all levels uh, that he's been performing at. And uh, he's 21 years old Um, on the just baseball list. He's ranked 10th overall. Uh, I believe for Nico's team, that is the highest ranked prospect uh, of the group that he actually has. So it's nothing unbelievable. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, He has uh, a couple other prospects ranked below, uh, but very, very close in comparison. Brendan Davis to me though, just has potential. I really like uh, the fact that the opportunity will probably present itself pretty quickly in Chicago. Um, considering they obviously had their massive dump off uh, with uh, Chris Bryant, Javier Baez, Anthony Rizzo. They're going to look for a new identity. And I think this team's going to be built around this guy. Um, I really like Davis. I think that he's got a lot of potential moving forward. I mean, if I could count Kellenick, I would, though he's surpassed that mark this year. Uh, Joe Adele, that, again, kind of surpassed that mark. Um, so, yeah, it's between – I mean, there are some good ones there. C.J. Abrams, Brennan Davis, Noel V. Marte, Zach Veen. I really like Veen's potential in Colorado, um, but also 
I don't know. He, he's just a high school hitter. So it could take a while before he comes up. I really love CJ Abrams. He's going to hit for high average. He's going to give you a lot of steals, but I don't think you're getting much home run pop there. And then Mackenzie Gore is just a wait and see, but I'll go with CJ Abrams. I, I think he could legitimately be a 300, 310 hitter in the MLB. If all goes right for him and be a guy who can get you 30, 40 steals in a season. Um, the question is if, you know, if, if he can get you 10 home runs in a season, That'll be just fine for him to be a top 50, top 40 player. But if he can get you up to 15, if he can get you 20 home runs, some doubles in there, raise that slugging up a little bit, he's going to be like a top 15 player. So I would go with C.J. Abrams and hope that the power comes together because the other tools are there. Okay, this is where it, <laughs> this is where it gets really difficult with Nico's team. And so uh, the question of who is the best keeper on this team you go through the list. Uh, there are some pretty decent names, but there's nobody but one in my eyes that, that really stands out. I, I think there's one that truly does, and he's currently on his IL, and that would be Shane Bieber. Um, outside of Bieber, uh, you know, Nico's got Bellinger, who who knows what direction yeah, he's see, going. I, I think this just depends how you look at it. If you're looking at it from a scope of who's his best keeper yeah. for the 2022 yeah. season, yeah, it'd be, you know, Bieber, or maybe Bellinger or something. But if you're looking at it from just like a long-term perspective over the course of, of the dynasty, I think you could probably argue Jared Kellenick. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. I, I think that Kellenick needs to show me a little more. Um, and so, I mean, uh, to be honest with you, so does, uh, most of his players that, that are on this roster. He's got Gavin Lux. Uh, Gavin Lux hasn't shown us a lot. Remember, he was the number two prospect at one point. Uh, Kellenick was big news coming out and hasn't just really done anything productive. Uh, up until really the last couple of weeks, he's still hitting only 166, but has started to get on base more frequently, so that's some, a good sign. I do like Jazz Chisholm a lot. Um, he's got potential, but I wouldn't say that he's got the upper echelon uh, keeper wise, uh, maybe his best overall player right now was actually Jonathan India, uh, which is crazy to think about. He's uh, been really good. He's been very, very good. Uh, the other argument you could make would be Nicky Lopez, who has just found a way to get on base so often. Um, I feel like every day he's going two for three, two for four. And so uh, that was a good pickup uh, for Nico to get Nicky Lopez. I like that one. But yeah, I, it's tough for me. I still think even long term, Shane Bieber's young. Um, yeah, the injury kind of scares me a little bit, but, uh, and, and Derek probably doesn't like that much because Derek was trying to pawn off Shane Bieber for a while. And rightfully so Derek was trying to win it all this year. Bieber's 26 years old. Uh, so it'll turn 27 in the month of May next year. So still a lot of project, uh, you know, time for him to kind of build on his prime. And I, I think, you know, at his best, he can be as good as any pitcher in the entire league. So I like Bieber. I don't know how much I like the other keepers. Yeah, Bieber as well. But like I said, if you're looking at a long-term approach, I think it's probably Kellenick or Adele. The underrated potential keeper, um, just to keep this one short on my end, I would say I really like the fact that he has uh, – well, one guy in particular stands out. That would be Max Freed. Um, Freed has kind of figured it out towards the back end of the season. Uh, he's posted consecutive quality starts since July the 28th. Okay, so he has not had a start that has gone awry since July the 28th. And I think that Freed has the ace capabilities. Uh, remember, at one point, he was the top prospect. He was the number one guy for the Braves last year uh, and then really struggled early on this season. But I think he's kind of figured it out, and he's kind of gone under the radar in that process too. So I like Freed as the underrated keeper. 
Yeah, he's definitely gone under the radar there. So I'm going to go with two guys who might actually be borderline keepers as well, but I'm going to stick in Kansas City. So the first is Andrew Benintendi, who struggled early in the season with the Royals. Then he found it. He got really hot um, over the course of, I believe it was May. Yeah, he had an 821 OPS in May and then a 930 OPS in June. And then he dealt with an injury and missed some time, and that cooled off the hot streak. And then when he came back from the injury, his hot streak was no longer there. And he struggled to get it going. But now what you're seeing in the month of September is the biggest affront to the fantasy baseball league that Nico held on to Andrew Benintendi and didn't let one of the playoff teams pick him up because Andrew Benintendi right now over the last month has a 942 OPS over the last two weeks has a OPS nearing 1200. And over the last week, he is 15 of 29 with 12 RBIs. So Darn you, Nico, for uh, <laughs> disallowing myself or somebody from picking him up. And, uh, yeah, I mean, at this point, as hot as he's been, he might even be a keeper at the end of the year. The other guy is Carlos Hernandez. He has been really good for the Royals. He just got beat up a little bit on his last start. But he's got a lot of things that I, I think he might be the opening day starter next year for the Royals. That's at least the talk here locally. And he's got a lot of good stuff, and it's just kind of funny that he came up and you have this high velocity throwing right-hander who's got a big body and has a really good mentality on the mound. And he kind of got lost in the shuffle because of all these other guys like the Brady singers, Chris Bubich um, and so forth. John or Jackson Coars that came up for the Royals who had higher prospect pedigree, but so far, far Hernandez has been the best. Yeah. I like Hernandez a lot. I, I, I think that that's a, that's a very good point. When we talk about the most debatable keeper uh, there's two that come to my eye with this team. Number one, would be Jesus Lazardo because Lazardo has so much potential moving forward, but my goodness, he's been terrible. I mean, he just cannot figure it out, whether it's with Oakland or with Miami. Um, it feels like he'll have inconsistent starts. You know, he goes up against the Mets and the Phillies, and he allows two against the Mets. Uh, he allows three against the Phillies, and then he goes against the Washington Nationals on the road and gets blown up in four and a third innings pitch. So uh, he doesn't post quality sp- starts. He does still get strikeouts, but his whip is atrocious. It's at 1.63 and ZRA at 680. I mean, my goodness. I don't know. I, I have a hard time trying to picture what I would do if I owned Lizardo. Uh, I know that there's the potential there. He at one point was, you know, considered the best prospect pitcher, but it goes right back to that conversation again, which is prospect pitchers just do not at this era. It just does not seem like they produce initially when they come up. It's very rare to see that happen. Um, So I'm very much on the fence when it comes to Nico's team at what to do with Lazardo. I personally, I don't think I would keep him. That's just me. I don't believe in him. I don't really like. I don't really like what Lazardo has shown me recently, and it may take more time than this. Uh, it could be like a Matt Boyd situation. The other one that I would say I would keep, but is also kind of a little bit of a debate, would be Adolis Garcia because Garcia had an unbelievable first half, and then it's like he couldn't hit anything. All of a sudden, he's starting to hit again. He has 30 home runs on the season, uh, but the man cannot hit for average. He is a 247 average. Could this be Chris Davis 2.0? Uh, Chris with a K, uh, who was the king of hitting 247 uh, and hit home runs, you know, 42 home runs a year. I could see Adolis Garcia being the reincarnated version of Chris Davis uh, that decides to hit four, two, uh, you know, 247 a season. Uh, he has 81 RBI, so that's impressive. And he actually has some speed. He still tenses, but the production for most of the second half of the season was just atrocious. So 
It's hard to say he's a set keeper. He is incredibly young. He was in the rookie of the year conversation for a little bit there. Uh, but I do think he, on this team, I think he's a keeper, but it's very borderline for me. Yeah, this is an interesting team because there's a lot of like guys who are right on that borderline of could be kept, could not be kept for like any team. And there's so many of them on this one team. Uh, the guys that I'm interested in, what happens, Casey Mize and Chris Paddock. So Casey Mize uh, obviously has the, the prospect pedigree. And if you're just looking at ERA and whip, both solid, but the K per nine, and not good at all for Casey Mize, but he's still young. So could he take steps forward? Definitely possible. Chris Paddock feels like a guy who, you know, the ERA just not there, but he feels like somebody who would be in that ilk of the pitchers we always talk about where, oh, once they hit 27, 28, 29, they're going to have a breakout year. And I could totally see Chris Paddock doing that. But do you want to bet on that and keep that after he's had kind of two straight bad seasons? So those are the big ones for me, along with a guy that I mentioned in the underrated that would still be a debatable keeper with Ben Benintendi. And we just have to throw it out there. Uh, Cody Bellinger, a platoon this season. <laughs> what will happen with him? Who knows? But uh, I made a trade with Nico where I acquired uh, good old Julio Urias. I got Andrew Vaughn, who hasn't done Jack since I acquired him. Um, and then I got James Caprillion, who also blew up. So basically, it was Urias for Bellinger. Uh, but to say the least, uh, really happy that I dished off Bellinger right before he decided to learn how to or not learn how to hit a fastball for that matter. Um, going to be interesting to monitor Bellinger as a keeper. If you were going to pick Bellinger, Derek, in a, a normal serpentine draft, okay, like it's a, a one year season, where, where do you, you know, do you pick Bellinger at all? I mean, like, where do you pick him? Um, he'd be on my, my don't pick list, honestly. Like, and when I say that, I don't mean I wouldn't draft him. Like, obviously, if everybody did the same thing and Cody Bellinger is there for me at like pick 92, I'm like, okay, I'll take the risk. But I would not touch him because I'm, I'm I feel like the ADP on him is going to be around that, I don't know, like 30 to 60 range, somewhere in there. And I just would not feel comfortable with that. Yeah, I don't think I would pick him until pick 100, to be honest. I think he's my last pick in the 100, top 100 in that that area. Um, it's tough, though. Bellinger's just very, very impossible to predict at this point because you know the potential, you know what he can offer, but my goodness, he's just been absolutely atrocious. Uh, moving on to the next team, we have JD, who his team name is called Wander in the Frank Coins. Um, yeah. Yes, he has Wander Franco, Franco, however you want to pronounce it. I think the proper pronunciation is Franco, I want to say. Yes, uh, but yes, he's got the superstar of the future, we we think. Uh, it awfully looks like that's going to be the case. But JD's got a very loaded team um, on paper. He does. It's kind of interesting to think about the fact that it didn't even make the playoffs because, you know, at the start of the season, I think he was picked to be the favorite to win it all in our league. So uh, it, it just didn't come together for him this season. Uh, but he's got a lot of good pieces in place. He didn't, you know, do a massive fire sale. He sold off Matt Olson. He sold off JD Martinez, um, which at the end of the day, I love Olson, not a huge Martinez guy. So fine with those moves. He got the pieces he needed. He traded off Mookie Betts in order to get Wander Franco. Um, so JD's made some interesting moves kind of more for the future. When we go over this, first of all, top prospects through his list, JD's never been a big prospect guy. Um, Let's just not count Franco as a prospect. I don't no, think no, he wouldn't count. He's had like 250 at bats this year. Yeah, I I think out of this group, it's really hard to analyze because this might be where JD's biggest weakest spot would be. 
He doesn't have any person that particularly stands out to me outside of maybe Royce Lewis or Vidal Brujan um, or Nolan Jones is a decent one too. Uh, Relvis Martinez, um, decent pick right there, but uh, it, it's tough for me. I think projecting wise, moving forward, I would say from what he's got, it's I, I've got to go with probably either George Valera um, or I'm going to stick with Vidal Brujan. I, I like what Brujan has to offer with the speed. I know there's not going to be a lot of pop. I just don't really like his prospects all that much, to be honest with you. I traded away Royce Lewis. The injuries have scared me. Um, he's fallen out of the top 100 at this point for a lot of you know rankings uh, just simply because the guy can never stay on the field. Uh, when he's on the field, I think he's definitely the best prospect out of the group, but I- I'm going to have to probably go with Brujan. I'm going to go Josh Lowe uh, for the race. I like the power speed potential, but yeah, you're right. Outside of that, I'm not really high on any of the other ones. Like Brujan is good if you need steals. Um, but I don't think really you're going to get a ton of average or anything. I think like Jazz Chisholm, if he can be like a 230 hitter, it gives you some, I don't know, a little bit of pop for that speed. Yeah, Royce Lewis is like a 260 career average in the minors. Uh, really the only guy who interests me is Josh Lowe. In our league, we do 20 major league keepers uh, and three minor league keepers. Now, it can obviously be shaken up to where you can have 17 MLB keepers. Therefore, there's three more prospects. I think for JD's team – you're going to be seeing he's going to use all 20 spots being yes. MLB guys versus guys like Matt in our league and Nico. They will probably exercise the option to have more than three prospects. But JD, JD is the kind of team that's built specifically just to carry major league guys. So with that in mind, let's take a look at the best keeper in his group. And uh, I mean, there might be a little bit of a debate here, but JD's got a lot of great players. Okay. He's got Manny Machado. Uh, he's got Pete Alonzo, Tay Oscar Hernandez. Um, Cedric Mullins has been unbelievable this season. He took up basically an entire podcast for Derek and I. Um, there, there's great keepers offensively for him. As for the pitching side of things, maybe not so much except for one. And that one will be my pick for this. And that's Walker Bueller. I think that Walker Bueller is the Cy Young of this season. If it's not him, it's going to be Max Scherzer and, then you're going to get another Cy Young season out of Bueller again. Uh, I, I really love the the fact that Bueller has just been absolutely dominant this year. He's still young, um, and I think he's going to be the number one guy for the Dodgers for years to come. And, you know, J.D.'s hitting is amazing. It, it's very, very good. But it's very hard to come by starting pitchers that are durable that have put out stuff and Walker Bueller has that, you know, I, I was a little concerned about him actually going into the season because of the blister issue he had in 2020. It seems like knock on wood that that issue is long gone. Uh, but Bueller has been pretty much dominant outside of his start on the road recently against the giants. Um, that's the best keeper on this team. I would almost argue Kyle Tucker, but to me it's, and Walker Bueller should be up there. To me, it's Wander Franco. Um, you're going to get so many good years out of Wander Franco. He really, before he went on the IL here, was hitting his stride, and he was just getting on base every game. Uh, you look at over the last month, he had a 366, 429, 537 slash line. He's already looking like a all-star level major league player, and he's still so young. You're going to get so many years out of him. I think this is hands down Wander Franco for me. Yeah, I like that. I mean, I I, I... – I, it's hard to you know debate that. It's basically whether you value an elite pitcher or a guy that could have the potential to be an elite offensive weapon. Either way, we know JD's keeping you know all three of those guys because yes, Kyle Tucker also gives you power, speed. Um, he should be hitting for average moving forward too. 
uh, three great keepers to have. Those are his best three. I think we can consensus-wise go that direction. So leaving them out of the discussion at this point, how about underrated potential keepers on this team? And, and to be honest with you, I, I think we just got to go back to who we talked about for a while with Cedric Mullins as one. Um, but the other one to me is Teoscar Hernandez because at one point this season, he was the best hitter in baseball. Uh, he's gone on another recent tear. When this guy is on, he he is on big time. On uh, September the 11th, he went five for eight against the Orioles with a home run, two doubles, five hits. That was in a double header, of course. Uh, and then he followed that with a two for three performance against the Orioles with a home run and then a five for five performance against the Rays. So this guy is a massive boom and he's really never a bust. It's not one of those boom or bust guys. It's either boom or okay, decent, you know, like, like, and, and I really like that about Tay Oscar. And um, I think that he is going to be a really underrated keeper actually moving forward uh, just because he's still young and is in a really unbelievable Blue Jays lineup that I think is going to find themselves in the postseason. Uh, so, yeah, underrated keeper for me is Tay Oscar. So let me get this straight. Your underrated keeper is the guy in our league ranked 20th. <laughs> I think underrated mentally. Yeah, uh, You know, if I uh, – <laughs> If I propose to you and, and just looking at my team, you know, um, if Teoscar Hernandez was proposed to me for Trevor Story, um, you know, realistically, I should probably take Teoscar, right? Trevor Story's had a terrible year. Um, but fantasy rankings will show you next season that Trevor Story is ranked higher, right? Like most consensus rankings will have Story higher. Yeah, than probably. Teoscar. So that's kind of how I see it with that. It's that I think there's a name brand part of it. There are just some names that are sexy and there's some that aren't. And I think that Teoscar Hernandez is still one that's maybe not it, just because he hasn't done it that long. Um, and so that's kind of how I see it from a uh, an underrated standpoint. I believe Fantrax had Teoscar ranked as a keeper in the, the 80s. Um, and to me, I think it's a lot better of a keeper than that. I'd say he's more in the 50s range. Okay, Jonathan Loisiga. If he ends up being a pitcher, he's nasty. But even then, you're getting so much value. So he's a good underrated keeper. Um, Ranger Suarez has been really good for the Phillies so far. Uh, but the guy I'm going to go with is Tanner Houck for Boston. He's looked really good. Kind of looks like Chris Sale, the way he pitches. And uh, it's weird. He's 0-4 this year. I didn't realize this till looking at the stats just now. He hasn't had a win this season. But he's got a 3.75 ERA, 1-2 whip, almost an 11K per nine. He is nasty. And I think next year – He'll just start in the rotation to begin the year instead of kind of being up and down throughout the year. Tanner Houck, I think, is going to be really good. Okay, so debatable keeper. Um, one to me that I think is just interesting because in, in in this might sound, this name might be a little bit of a surprise to throw out there, but Adalberto Modesty has just not wow. done it. Yeah, see, I, I he just he has not done it for me recently, and he has not stayed healthy. He's hit 253 this season, six home runs, nine steals. You know you're going to get stolen bases from him. You know that there's potential when he's healthy, but he's never on the field, and he doesn't slug. Um, I, I kind of have a hard time with Alberto. I would probably keep him. I'm going to do the same thing I kind of did with Nico's team. I would keep him, but I don't think he's as obvious of a keeper as people may think. It's just the production has not been there for me. Um, and I really worry about the health long-term. I, I do not like that. For a player on his team that's debatable, I would say that I would not keep. Uh, and Derek will feel pretty good about this one. So JD has Chris Taylor. He used his waiver as an ad to pick up Chris Taylor because Derek dropped him. Chris Taylor has been ice cold lately. Um, at one point this season, Chris Taylor was ranked in the top 25, you know, in Yahoo st standard leagues. And he's just completely fallen off the face of the earth. This is his contract season. 
Um, and so you wonder what the Dodgers are going to do. Are they going to retain him? If he signs somewhere else, he has the opportunity probably to hit in the top three spots in, in most lineups, uh, you would assume. The question is, where does he land? What's that opportunity look like? And if he does re-sign with the Dodgers, um, you you kind of have to think maybe Corey Seager's on his way out. So does that mean Chris Taylor's playing second base? Uh, could Chris Taylor lose position eligibility, which is what makes him valuable? For me, the age is also a problem. Okay, he's in his 30s, and uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I trust him moving forward. There's a lot of moving pieces for me with him. I don't know if I'd keep him, especially on this team where there's a lot of talent, and you're kind of having to make that last cut. To me, Chris Taylor is one that kind of misses the cut. I would look again to the pitching staff. Uh, Carlos Carrasco has really struggled this season, and he just came back late from an injury. So what do you do with that? I don't know. That's got to be a tough decision. The other one's Chris Bassett, who has had a really good year, but now you're coming off the injury late, and is this just kind of a, a rare aberration year for Chris Bassett? Those are the two that I would look at that I'm not totally sure what you would do. And it would just kind of depend how you feel about the rest of your returning pitchers for if you would keep one and not the other, I'd probably lean keeping Bassett and not Carrasco if it was between those two, but I think both are kind of close to that borderline. One other one out there that uh, just kind of looking through it, Denelson Lamette uh, is one to really kind of keep. I don't think I thought about that as well, but I don't think you can keep him. He's, he's moved to a reliever. He hasn't had a good year and he has injury concerns and the injury concerns kind of lean toward it being long-term injury uh, concerns or, or possible Tommy John. Yeah, I, I would not keep it myself. Uh, and plus, J.D. has plenty of great players. I think that uh, Lamette's going to get axed out on this team. If he was on another team, uh, maybe it's a different story. But Lamette on this team, I just don't see how he's kept. Okay, moving on to the next one, we have Nathan Graham. Um, who, to be honest with you, at the start of this year, I called his team probably one of the scariest ones on paper. And I, I still stick with that, actually, because I think that he had a very scary team that, to be honest, things just didn't fall together based on injuries. Um, he had Eloy Jimenez, who was hurt for much of the year. Then when Eloy came back, Alex Bregman got hurt. Um, it just seems like, you know, the, the team as a whole did not click together. Willie Adamas on the IL. And how about this? Jesse Winker on the IL, too. So, you know, Nate just kind of had, unfortunately, the injury bug really bite him in the butt this season. Uh, I think he's going to have a scary team going into next year. Um, I will say it again. He'll still be one of the scarier teams in our league uh, in the upcoming season. When you look at prospects, though, for him, um, you know, there's a few that stick out that kind of make you kind of turn your head a little bit. Um, one in particular for me, though, that I'm very curious about and I would say is probably still my favorite prospect, even though you're not going to see him on this top prospects list is Joey Bart. Um, and that's just because Bart's had his opportunity with San Fran before. I, I like Bart a lot. And I think he still projects well to be a, the future catcher of the Giants. Um, it's just a matter of getting that opportunity. I, 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 I've been a believer in Bart for a while. Um, and to me, the other names on this list, Ronnie Mauricio, Drew Waters, uh, they're, they're good guys on this list, but I think Bart has the most potential to be uh, the best player in his position um, and also has still longevity uh, moving forward where I think that when he gets the opportunity, when he's called upon, he's going to deliver. Okay, I'm going to go with Cade Cavalli. He uh, has been really good in the minors for the Nationals. The 22-year-old started at high A, had a 177 ERA, so they bumped him up to double A, had a 279 ERA, and Keep in mind that 
this ERA goes with really good K per nine numbers, 15.7 at high A, 12.4 at double A. He struggled a little bit in finding his footing so far through three starts in triple A, but he's a 22 year old at triple A. So I think Cade Cavalli is going to be really good. And I bet you he comes up either next year or in two years um, and could be maybe the next uh, future ace of the Washington nationals. Yeah. He's been pitching incredibly well. Uh, and he was ranked pretty highly as well on the, uh, the good old just baseball uh, rankings in this. He was ranked 16th overall uh, as the AAA uh, righty. He is 23 years old. He's projected to come up in 2022. When you look at the top pros or top player of uh, Nate's team, I mean, there's a lot of options here. Nate's got a great team. I I, I really love the pieces that he has. Uh, for me, it comes down to two players in particular. That would be between Eloy Jimenez and Austin Riley. I'm a huge Eloy believer. I think Eloy at the height of his game can hit 40 to 45 home runs, even maybe even more. Um, he has not played been, he's not actually been particularly great down the stretch this season. Uh, you just have to wonder what injuries and obviously the delayed start to his season has done for his production. Um, I think come next year, Eloy on paper is still the guy uh, in this lineup. You can make an argument that Alex Bregman could get in that discussion or Jesse Winker as well. I mean, Jesse Winker was great until he got hurt too. Uh, Nate's going to have some interesting uh, thought process, I think, going into next year in terms of how he handles injuries, just because that's really what tore this team apart uh, more than anything else. But I'm going to go with Eloy. Uh, my firm belief is Eloy comes back stronger than ever next year in the prime season, and he hits 48 home runs. Yeah, I really like some of the frontline guys on this team. You also on the pitching side, you have Darvish, Giolito, Gilbert. I love his long-term prospects. Uh, even Hader from a, a relief pitcher view of things. Glass now, unfortunately, got injured for him. Um, it just if he can add more depth to his team, he could be seriously dangerous. I'll go the other end of that. I'm going to go with Austin Riley, who was just on fire in this second half and then cooled off a little bit, but still over the last month has a OPS over 800 so far on the season. He has nearly a 900 OPS. He's hitting a ton of bombs, has a ton of RBIs. And when Ronald Acuna has been out, he's stepped up really big time. He's still just 24 years old. I love Austin Riley. Loved him ever since he came up. Finally kind of, I don't know, gave up a little bit on him at the beginning of this season. And boy, was I wrong to do so. So I'll go with Austin Riley as the best keeper. Okay, he's not underrated, but I just have to mention that uh, Tyler O'Neill, the love of my life, when I traded him <laughs> away, that was that was pain and agony. I should never have done that. I knew that if I had traded away Tyler O'Neill, I would regret it immediately. I absolutely do. Tyler, I am so sorry. Uh, I will find a way to get you back. I promise. I vow to that. But yes, Nate at this time, at this time, is owner of Tyler O'Neill. We will make sure that's not the case by the start of next season. I will pay up. Um, anyways, underrated player, though, on this team. Frank Schwindel, man, where the heck did this guy come from? Uh, he has just been out of this world ridiculous for the Chicago Cubs. He's hitting 337. He has 13 home runs, 38 RBIs. So the RBI production is maybe not there, but uh, as a number two guy, you don't really expect that. He's scoring a run almost every game. Uh, he's scored a run in five of the last six games. That'll help out your totals big time. He's also hit a double three times in the last five games. Uh, this guy just gets on base frequently, and uh, I don't understand it at all. He's one of the more random players in the game, and I could just see this guy being another classic, you know, almost Justin Turner, where they just product production shows up late in the career, and, you know, they come out of nowhere. They're impossible to buy. You don't even know who they are until they start producing. 
And Schwindel is kind of showing me that right now. He's 29 years old. Uh, he'll turn 30 in June of next year. So he's still on the younger side of things. Um, but where the heck this guy came from? I mean, th this is one of the more shocking ones. He was in the Kansas City Royals system in 2019, uh, where he hit a glorious .067 in 2019. Uh, then he did not play in 2020. 2021, he was with Oakland. He then comes over after hitting 150 with the A's. And uh, you can almost make the argument, that actually, this is Max Muncy 2.0 because going from the Oakland Athletics to the Chicago Cubs, he's hitting 362 with the Cubs. His slugging percentage with the Cubs is 684. Where, what in the world? His on-base percentage, 409. I mean, you can make an argument this is the hottest player in baseball right now. It, it just doesn't, doesn't make any sense. I don't know where he came from. Uh, this is the underrated player on this team to the max for me. Uh, I'm going to go with Sandy Alcantara. I mean, he's not like... You know, he's if you look at like dynasty rankings, he's around that like somewhere between top 80, top 90, top 100 player. Um, but I don't think he gives enough, gets enough love. And uh, the caper nine has gone up each of the last couple of years. He's having one of his best caper nine seasons there is. Now it's around 8.8, .8, which that's always been one of the, the bigger knocks against him. He's not getting strikeouts. The whip has always been low. And think about this he just turned 26 years old. As a 22, 23, 24, and this technically is his 25-year season, even though he just turned 26. In those four years, the ERAs he's put together as a youngster, 344, 388-300, 3-1-0. This guy just gets people out. He does it at a high degree, and he's still super young. Sandy Alcantara doesn't get talked about enough about how good he is, so I'll talk about him. And no, he is very good. He is very good. Also, Derek is in love with Miami Marlins pitcher. So basically, we're just fantasizing over uh, good old Nate's team here because you got the Miami Marlins pitcher and you've got the uh, the human Hulk, which is Tyler O'Neill on this team. As for the debatable keeper, um, I've got two on this list just because one is more of I don't know what you do about this. I, I you, you have to keep first of all Tyler Glass now, right? I I mean, obviously he's not pitching next season. Yeah, but you have to. Got to keep him. You you have to. It sucks. You have to bite the bullet. You got to have him sit on your IL for the season. But if you don't keep him, I'm picking him up. So uh, might as well take that message. Uh, if you listen to this podcast this far, Nate, congratulations. You know exactly my mentality. I will scoop him up. Um, but. Outside of that, the two that I really recognize here, we'll stick with the pitching side first. Forrest Whitley. Um, Forrest Whitley is one of his prospects. And, I mean, is this guy ever going to come up and do anything? Uh, I, I don't know. I don't understand what's happening here at this point um, with the, the production with this guy. Obviously, he had the drugs, uh, the, the problem with the suspension. But at the end of the day, Whitley, to me, just seems like it's a – a ticking time time bomb and, and it's never going to explode actually like i i just don't know what to expect from him it's very long wait for this kid to come up he's 24 years old he's going to be 25 going into next season um actually no he's going to be 24 going into next season his birthday was yesterday the day of recordings today is mm, the happy 16th. birthday bud yeah yeah so sorry happy birthday forrest i'm talking negatively about you on our podcast but um, hope you had a great birthday yesterday, buddy. Uh, so he will be 24 throughout the majority of next season. So that helps. At least he's got a little bit of time there, but it just feels like this guy similar to Royce Lewis has just taken forever to, to just get his name called and brought up. And obviously you have a drug scandal. That's going to be a huge problem. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if you hold on to him. Nate's got a lot of good pieces. Uh, that's one that I have a hard time seeing him hold on to. It's a massive debate internally. The other one is Matt Chapman. I feel like he's got to hold on to it, but 
this is another case of a name more than production. Okay. So there are sexy names in the game of baseball and there are names that are not Matt Chapman has kind of become one of the sexier names of the game. Um, you know, he came up, people started comparing him to be the next Josh Donaldson uh, after Donaldson left. And obviously, you know, you see Chapman go off with Oakland and whatnot, but Chapman's production has not been anywhere near what you want fantasy relevance wise. And he's probably hurting Nate's team more than any other player on this active roster that he has. Uh, and it's just a matter of, do you sit there and say, well, I trust that this guy still has the potential moving forward. His birthday is in April of next year. He will be 29 after April the 28th. So he's kind of still at that latter end of the prime, um, but he's not producing the way he did at the start in his prime. And I, I just, I have a massive concern over what Chapman can do moving forward in his age 29 season this year. He's hit 219. His on-base percentage, 318. He slugged 415. This is supposed to be your corner infielder that slugs. 415 slugging percentage. Uh, the year prior, he slugged. He had 533 uh, slugging percentage, but his average was 232. So it's just hard to buy this guy. The only actual season that he hit over 250, the only one in his five-year career was in 2018, where he hit 278. So you know you're not going to get an average from this guy. Uh, last season was actually his best slugging percentage season on top of that. Um, and in 2019, he hit 36 home runs. So, you know, the power's there. He's going to hit probably 30 home runs this year. He's got 25 at the day of recording, but can he do more than that? I mean, I, I don't know. He's only got 13 doubles. I just don't see him being that valuable of a piece. He's probably to me, one of the last keepers in or one of the, or, or the first one out. I would still keep Matt Chapman. I do agree, though, he would actually be on, like, the lower half of keepers just because of how bad of a season this has been. And one thing against Matt Chapman, to your point, is, I mean, his K rate is really bad, and it has been. Um, for, you know, he had a 28% K rate in 2017, 35 and a half last year, 32 this year. What separated his best seasons is when he can get that into the mid to low 20s. If he can do that, then he'll be back to being good. If not, then... You're not really getting much there. Um, uh, the guy that I'm going to go with, though, is Kyle Lewis, who had a really good season last year, but it was in the shortened season. So what do you do with that? This year, he was hurt most of the year leading up, then finally debuted. Then he got hurt again. Now he's out. So now you don't really have the full sample size to say, oh, yeah, no, he figured it out. Um, and in the time that he did play this year, it wasn't really all that astounding. I'm not really sure what you do with Kyle Lewis, to be completely honest. Yeah, I I kind of buy that side of it too. I was at one point an owner of Kyle Lewis, and I, I like the potential still moving forward. He's still very young, but can the guy stay healthy? I mean, th this is the story of Nate's team, is how in the world is my team going to be on the field at one time in the 2022 season? And so that's something he may have to take into account. He may have to make a trade for a more reliable piece that stays on the field more consistently. That might be something that he has to do in order to get back in the playoffs. But this is this is a very well-built team. I, I mean, I love the pieces. I think that it's uh, – I'm, I'm still surprised it didn't make the playoffs, to be honest with you. But that just goes to show how deep our league can be. And, uh, yeah, I, I really like this team moving forward. Uh, but Nate's going to have some very difficult decisions uh, come keeper time. Yes, he is. And he only finished half game back a sixth. So uh, he wasn't that far off to begin with. All right. That's Dusty Baker. I'm Derek Johnson. That's going to do it for our show today. Thank you for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe to us 
and uh, give us a five-star review. We're at Booze and Baseball on social media. You can email us, boozeandbaseballgmail.com if you have any questions or want to suggest some alcohol to review. Thanks to Mixkit for the stock music. Man Cave merch for our coasters. Dusty, what is that promo code? Yes, the promo code that you can use in order to get our coaster for 15% off. It's BNB15 at Man Cave Merch. And uh, go ahead and do it because these coasters are sweet. Uh, and uh, we are very thankful to be working still with Man Cave Merch. They have some of the best products out there. Still relatively undiscovered, by the way. So get ahead of the game. Uh, so you could say you were one of the first ones to go at Man Cave Merch before it became a major thing. Yep, definitely get them. There's a lot of cool ones in. I just finished my drink. I uh, do not feel so great, but uh, yeah, enjoy <laughs> and drink responsibly. Have a good one for Dusty Baker. I'm Derek Johnson. Later.